0: Hello and welcome to the parting shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Allen Scott. Now, before I go any further, I do just want to warn you up top that this episode is emotional and deals with themes of abuse and trauma. But in my humble opinion, it's also one of the most important episodes I'll ever do of this podcast. So I really do hope that you'll stick with me today. Something profound happened to me when I recently saw the color purple. I went in familiar with the material. During the screening, I was suddenly left with an overwhelming feeling of closure. For the first time since I lost my father a couple months back, I was not only able to find some kind of forgiveness for my abusive father, but I was also able to see my mother in a whole new light. All that because of a movie. That is how good The Color Purple is, people. I can't even say that enough. Which is why today's episode means so much to me. I'm joined by Fantasia Barrino and Coleman Domingo today. I spoke with them separately, and the chats we had were so deep and so emotional that I just I just had to share them both. Now, for those who don't know the story, the film starts with Celie, played by Fantasia Barrino, a teen who suffered horrific abuse, mentally, physically, and sexually, at the hands of her father, which resulted in the birth of two children. It takes you on Celie's journey from having her children stripped away from her and put up for adoption, to being forced into an arranged marriage with the much older mister, played by Coleman Domingo. As Celie gets older, the one thing in her life remains constant, abuse and the feeling of self-worthlessness. Through faith and with the help of her two friends, Sophia, played by Daniel Brooks, incredibly played by Daniel Brooks, and Shug, played by the amazing Taraji P. Henson, she's able to find her inner strength, beauty, and most importantly, her voice. I was particularly impacted by Fantasia's Seeley and Coleman's Mister. Their dynamic and performances reminded me so much of my own parents. Like so many other people who can relate to Seeley's story, I am a product of generational trauma. My father abused my mother because his father abused his mother, and so on. The abuse became a reality in a way a family vacation becomes memorable. I can clearly look back on memories that haunt me to this day, just like some families remember trips to Disney World. But like the women in the color purple, my mother found a way out to try and break that pattern of generational trauma. But it wasn't easy or perfect. For a lot of complicated reasons, my mother had to effectively give us up, me and my brothers, her children. She had to give us up to save herself. For years, I resented her for this, because I didn't understand why. Like Harpo, Mr. Son, I was left behind with a man who only wanted me as a tool of torment for my mother. That pattern of abuse continued until he decided he just didn't want me anymore. Sorry. And I went to live with my mother in my teenage years. As I got older, I stopped communicating with my father. I never sought closure because I didn't know I needed it, and frankly, I I didn't think I was the one responsible for initiating it. Cut to a couple of months ago when I received news that my father had died. I didn't receive the news as an invitation to a funeral or anything like that. He died months earlier, and I was only informed because of matters related to his estate. Knowing that even in death, I was an afterthought for this man stung. I didn't know how to process these emotions, but it felt like another form of abuse— Instead of dealing with it, I focused on work, which, frankly, I'm so grateful for because it was through my work that led me to this moment of closure. Cut to the scene between Mr. and his son Harpo. that it just, the, This scene hit me to my core. It's the simplest of moments in the film. Mr., older and alone at this point, is drunk and leaving Harpo's bar. His son, Harpo, is holding his father because he's so drunk. And in the flash of a second, Mr. tells Harpo that he did a good job with the bar. Almost sensing the moment was becoming too intimate for them, Mr. pulls away and drunkenly walks himself home. Here's Coleman Domingo talking about that moment.
1: In our rehearsal process, we, uh, Corey and I found a moment. and I think the moment came from maybe my own personal desire for tenderness between men. Yep. Men who sort of are under the trappings of toxic masculinity in particular. What keeps us separate, what keeps us violent. And then I, there was that moment when we're coming out of the juke joint that we discovered in rehearsal because we, the way it's written is just like, you know, I'm carried out of the bar. I'm like, get off me. I'm not old. And I tell him, you you did really good opening that bar. And then I stumble off into the night. I was like, actually, there's an opportunity. I want to lean into the opportunity of like, he's so vulnerable and drunk and open. He's not even aware that he says, he says to his son, he, I think you did good with that juke joint. And then I lay my head on Corey's chest. And in that rehearsal, Corey, it was, I think it surprised him. And there was so much, many emotions roaring through Corey. And then his voice sounded like the voice of a child. I'll never forget that. And he said, are you all right, pal? Oh. And I stayed there for a minute. And then once I looked and realized what was happening, that I was vulnerable and I let down all my guard, I immediately switched and said, "Get off me! I can don't hold me like I'm old and go out." But in that moment, there was a possibility. Yeah. If he leaned in that, to that possibility and that vulnerability of what father and son could be, that they could be tender, that they could be loving and gentle with each other, which is not something that they were either one of them were groomed to do but I think the Harpo character is more available to it because he's part of the evolution. He's part of the next generation. That's why he's attracted to a woman like Sophia, you know, to help break that cycle and to, and to be loved. So I thought that there was great opportunities there to examine father, son relationships, male relationships, you know?
0: And also just the, I mean, that, that scene hit me so hard, but you describing it at the screening and even now it, to me, it's the definition of the power of acting and of filmmaking and of art. And that it's just the smallest, almost sometimes you could even say insignificant moment in a film. But for me, I'm watching it and I'm thinking I never had that. I want that. Just yeah. that little yeah. moment.
1: Yes. and I, we, we all want that little moment. If we can go back, you know, my, my, my stepfather is no longer with us. And I don't think we ever had that moment. I, I think he, he was very much a blue collar, you know, tough guy who probably didn't understand his sort of soft very feeling uh, skinny uh, queer boy mm-hmm. but i knew he loved me but i i don't remember i remember watching my stepfather wrestle with my younger brother who rough and tumble they wrestle on the floor but my dad never he never wrestled with me mm-hmm. and i want and i wanted because I feel like he didn't know how to handle me in that way yeah or he didn't know that because i was i was a softer kid and a bit more sensitive And I don't think he knew how to actually relate and let, let his guard down and do that. Yeah. So I think that that's what that scene is for, for, it's for all of us, for everyone who, every person who wishes they had the breakthrough with their parent in some way, shape or form, mother or father, you know, that that goes for, you know, mother daughter relationships, you know, you know, you who's, you know, most mother daughters I know, you know, it's the same thing. You know, they're tougher with each other. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, I know that my, my, my mom was softer with me than with my sister.
0: Watching this moment made me realize I'll never have that moment with my father. And that's partly my fault. But it's not necessarily all my fault. I also need to recognize that his actions were part of a legacy of trauma that even he couldn't escape. In the film, Mr. Gets Redemption in a subtle yet profound way. In his own way, he recognizes his past the abuse and terror he caused and does what he can to make amends with Seely. My father didn't do that, but that doesn't mean I can't forgive him. By forgiving him, I'm able to more clearly see the quiet force that was and is my mother. <laughs> you see, forgiveness is the light required to see the truth. And ultimately, that's what the color purple is about. Breaking the patterns of trauma with forgiveness. Love and allowing those quiet heroes like Celie to shine and yell proudly, I'm here, as Celie does in one of the musical's most profound final numbers. And that's at the core of my conversation with Fantasia, which I'm so glad that we're finally at, because emotionally that was a very hard intro for me to get through. So go on and grab a snack, because I will be right back with Fantasia Burino. I have to say, I saw the film at the Academy screening or at the Samuel Goldwyn last week, I think it was, and I was blown away. Blown away by your performance, by the film, by the cast, by everything. I mean, it was just one of those moments where you watch something and you go, I'm so glad I experienced that in this moment with these people. Do you know what I mean? It It was just everything. And I wanted to know from you how... How does this moment feel for you? <laughs>
2: uh, like a dream come true. I still am p- pinching myself because I can't believe. I can't believe it's happening. And that same feeling that you felt like watching everybody, everybody, Taraji, Danielle, Corey, coma Domingo, her, Hallie, Felicia, um, John Batiste, Lou Gossett, Anjanu. Like I'm on set what I call real live walking Oscars. Mm-hmm. And and I just feel like this, we, we, we did a, a Q&A last night and this is my first time even learning what a Q&A is because this is my first big movie. Mm-hmm. And in the Q&A, it was so spiritual. Like it was like, it felt like church. And I think the good thing that I love about it, and I always end it with this, this is not just a black thing. This is a world thing. Everybody who watches this movie can relate to something.
0: I'm so glad you said that because one of the things that I took from this—I mean, I'm and I'm about—I'm about to get personal with you, but I—I okay. I am a child of you know a spousal abuse. My father, there, my mom, there was lots of conflict there, and in watching the film, and particularly watching your response to you know. Coleman's performance in the film as well. And that relationship and the forgiveness in that relationship towards the end, it hit me in a way. And my father recently passed away and it, it hit me in a way that I didn't expect. And, and that's the beauty of the film is that you're right. It is. I mean, it is amazing that it's a wonderful black experience celebrating black women in a way that we haven't seen on screen in a long time, but there are themes in it that are universal that everybody is moved by. Yes.
2: And and the what I'm feeling right now is overjoyed. You know, I wouldn't have been able to play Celie if I did not go through a lot of what Celie went through.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: OK. Without saying a, a lot, you know, you saw what she went through. Mm-hmm. That is my story. So I always say I am Celie and I was about to run away from this. I really was. I was about to run away from it. I did I played it on Broadway. And when I played it on Broadway, my life was in shambles at that time. So to carry my cross and Celie's cross was heavy. Mm-hmm. And I remember when my last day I said, This is it. I will never come back. I could never do it again. I could never happened to those emotions and those feelings and when Scott called me I I did say no Scott I can't I can't do it but I am so, I woke up this morning literally talking to my mother because she's my best friend and I said ma I'm so glad I didn't miss this moment and I don't I don't want to mess up my makeup cuz we've been crying all night
3: yeah
2: and I'm so glad I didn't miss this moment I'm glad that I can release and i was I was freed from doing the movie this time
0: mm. yeah
2: yeah i was i I was free that very last scene when I hug my grandchildren and Celie almost does like this whale her mouth goes wide open and and she releases in real life. I, th- I was able to release. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so overjoyed and fooled because the world will be free. People will be free. People will walk away from their abuser and they'll say, you know what? I forgive you because this stuff is holding me. But I forgive you. Now, I don't mean I forget, mm-hmm. but I forgive you. I won't let my past keep me from my future. I am beautiful. I am a smart person. I can have whatever I want. I can love whoever I want, however I want. Like I'm here. And that for me is the biggest victory. If I don't get an award, if they don't, I feel like I've already won an award Mm -hmm. by sharing, sacrificing my body once more, Going back into my past situations and going back into Sealy's, living it, really surrendering for six months—that was not easy. Mm-hmm.
0: That's something I wanted to ask you about, actually, because out of all of the actors, and I've I've interviewed Danielle before, and we've communicated before, and I've talked to many other people in the film, but I think our relationship with you as a person, from American Idol till now is very personal. And we've seen, you know, we've seen you be open about a lot of your struggles and everything you've gone through over the years. And, and even now just opening up about how you relate to Celie and everything that, that part of your life. I think in some way, when I was watching it, I was like, I know Fantasia, but I don't know Fantasia like this. And I, I'm worried for her cause I want her to be okay. And so like, how, how was filming, how were you dealing with, your own personal past and your own demons while you were filming? And how did you take care of yourself to do the performance that you ultimately did?
2: Yeah. The difference now is I'm married, I'm happy, um, and I have a great therapist. (laughs) (laughs) I have a great therapist, but Mm. I chose not to talk to her the entire six months Mm. because I needed to stay there and I needed to feel it. The difference also is this time I saw a lot of things in Celie that I did not see in her the first time. All I could see was darkness, gloom. Uh, uh, You know, she was always slumped over. She was weighted. She carried everybody when I played her the first time. But this time I got to see Celie's actually wise as hell. Yeah. She's watching everybody. When she does speak, she doesn't say much, but it hits like the little things she would say to Harpo, the little things she would say to Mr. It was almost like, see, we just say that she had a brilliant mind. OK. And this time Blitz gave her an imagination. There's nobody in this world that goes through trauma that does not have an imagination, whether you are imagining yourself in a better relationship, whether you are imagining your, your mother leaving your father going to be with a better man, your father leaving your mother going to be with a, whether you're imagining yourself, not having to be in a situation where you have to be molested at night, whether you are a, 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 a child that is in a foster home and you imagine yourself with the family, we all have imaginations and that's what she didn't have on Broadway. That was heavy. Yeah. So nobody got to see. Everybody just got to see poor Celie. This time, she lived in her imagination. Celie tap danced. That to me was spiritual. I had to learn how to tap dance, by the way, and that was hard. <laughs> but I did it for Celie because it was almost like when people go through as much as we go through in life, that's life. Mm-hmm. Life will throw you some stuff that you're like, I was not ready for that. Yeah. But we keep doing what? Putting one foot in front of the other. So for them to let Seely tap dance, that says but with her feet, she says, I kept it moving. I'm ha- I'm I'm happy now. I I I can do it. You can do it. You can do it. I seen Seely so different. So yes, it was heavy on set, but when I walked off set, my family picked up everything and moved to Atlanta with me. I was able to go love on my kids, love on my husband, and sit back and just dissect what the next scene was that we were playing and where was Celie? And I, I would just bust out laughing sometimes and be like, they thought Celie was dumb, but Celie was smart as hell. And yeah. she kept everybody together. That's who I am. I think she's a cancer. I'm a cancer. My I'm a cancer too. Oh, yeah. Are you really?
0: <laughs> yeah, July 10. I,
2: so you know how we are. Yeah. We, 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 we can... Now we can, you can push us to a point where we like, okay, i am write you off, <laughs> yes. but we do forgive and we do want to help everybody else before sometimes we help ourselves mm-hmm. and we just want to see people happy. And that's, that was silly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it really yeah. is. And the imagination part was so key. I mean, literally as I was watching it and I was thinking of my own mother and her experiences with my father. And I was remembering back when I was a kid being like, I just wanted my mom to marry Brad Pitt so we could go off and live a different <laughs> life. Like, that's all I wanted. You know what I mean? I would just sit there and imagine that, which is like totally wild to think about. But it's so true. And I love that you said that because that's exactly what I was feeling watching it.
2: Yeah, he gave her an imagination. You know, you and I also have something in common. You know, I watched my mom go through a lot of things. And I remember we, we talked the other day and I said, I want to apologize to you because I remember one day I woke up and I said, I hated you. Mm. And she said, I remember. And she says, but I understand. I said, but it wasn't that I hated you. I hated that you sat in certain situations and I saw you as just this powerful woman, beautiful woman. And I felt you deserved so much. And then I walked off and that same generational curse followed me and I ended up chasing after All the wrong type of love, looking for fatherly love. And so now we have deep conversations and I'm like, I get it and I understand. But there were times I imagined her out of it and away from it. Oh, that's that's crazy, because if she would have then that cycle would have been broken, but it did not break until I broke it. And that was the same thing for Celie when she said, I'm leaving And I'm going with Shug. She had never stood up and talked to him like that. Yeah. And for her to rise up and know that she had the power and the strength. Yeah, she almost killed him (laughs) going out. But she realized then that she had a voice. Mm. And when I realized that I had a voice and I realized my worth, I broke that cycle. For my two daughters so that they can t- continue. And my husband constantly shows them, takes them on dates, opens the door for mm. them. I'm like, thank you, Lord. Celie is going to break so many curses yeah. of women and men, young and old, white and black. And that makes me, That is that is my award that people are healed. And you know what I'm talking about because we're cancers. Mm-hmm. We just want to be people happy. We love to love.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. One of the things that I, in watching the film, that I was wondering what you think is when you watch your your performance, and, and I don't know how much of, even how much you've watched, but when you watch it, Do you see because I see even in just things that I do in my everyday life, like I see my father, which is sometimes complicated. I see my mom a lot of times. Do you see in your performance anybody in your past that you maybe didn't even know you based part of Celie
1: on?
2: I think it was both my grandmothers. On my father's side and my mother's side, I would see, you know, I, I took certain things from both my grandmothers, even with her posture the way she would look at things, um, her facial expressions. Uh, and, and you know, my grandmothers would tell me stories about, lots of stories about, you know, my grandfather and what they went through or something on the job or something with the kids. And we would just sit and listen. And so whenever I would put on my outfit, um, I could surrender all of me because I do believe that I am Celie. Seeley is me. But I also believe that she inherited a lot of things from my, both my grandparents, mm. my grandmothers.
0: Interesting. And I also read that you, the physical scenes, I mean, obviously you were offered a body double, but for a lot of the physical scenes, both with the abuse, but other things in the film too, you decided to do those yourself. Why Why was that? Why did you decide to do that?
2: Because that was freeing for me. That was my last, it's, it's kind of weird. And somebody may say, we wanted to go back but I needed to let all of that stuff go and and Coleman didn't want me to do it he was like no no she can't do it and I'm like Coleman please he's like no I don't want you to get hurt I don't want this and then finally he pulled me to the side and said tell me why do you want to do this and I said because it's going to be healing for me Coleman and I can let some things go that you don't know about and he said you promised me you you're not gonna get hurt, and I said I promise. And of course, I got bruises and I was sore, but it was it was freeing for me. And I, when I got up, I was able to say I let that go and I forgive all of those guys who who just couldn't see my light. And I think, matter of fact, I think they could see it. They just kept trying to beat it out of me. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't understand because I was like, I'm so nice. Why do you want to be? Why do you want to put your hands on me? Why? So I needed to let it go. Yeah. And I did.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Oh, yeah. One of the I know I'm trying. I don't want to ruin your makeup, and I won't. I promise. I have a happy question next. I, I swear to okay. you, it's happy. Um, the the other thing that I love about the film is the relationship between women, particularly Black women, and the the really you, Taraji, Danielle, and of course Oprah too. The, I mean that the core in the film, the core women who sort of communicate with each other, that bond blew me away and I I think it's I think it's going to do so much good for so many like I said particularly black women but people in general but I wanted to know what what your thoughts are on how this film is going to really boost women in a lot of ways and also how did it boost you and your friendships with these women
2: you know it helps me a lot because I kind of shied away from relationships with with people in general Just because of all the stuff that I had went through before going to film, I had a panic attack. I was telling my husband, I was like, what if they don't like me? What if, you know, um, what if, what if, what if, what if? Because when you have been through so much trauma, especially in the industry, you run from the industry. You're like, I don't want no part. You know, the industry seems fake, blah, 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 blah. And so when I got on set and when we all, before we even started filming, like we would get together and sing and crack jokes and Coleman would always pray with all of us. We would check on each other. We would go out to eat. We built a bond before we started filming because we knew if we did not, it wasn't going to come across as it needed to come across. It would have been phony and it would have been fake. So we started building bonds and we started understanding how much we had in common. I'm from North Carolina. Danielle's from South Carolina. Uh, Taraji has roots in North Carolina, Charlotte, which is where I live. Um, Everybody's story somewhere in there, we all could relate, especially as women and as mothers and who have been in good relationships, bad relationships. Um, who go through things with their families, who go through things in the industry. We all have the same story of fighting to get to a certain place. So we just kind of became very close and overprotective over each other. And you could feel that in the film. And that is something that Taraji always says every night. As she's like, as as the leading, you know, she's, she's done so many great things. She paved the way for us, she looks at me and Danielle and she looks in the audience and she says, sisters, keep the bond. It's important to have each other. If it, it, it was important for me to have somebody like Sophia. She was bold. She said whatever she wanted to say. But it was also important for Sophia to have me because when she went through that one time where nobody in town ever seen her low in jail face all busted up. I wasn't used to Sophia not talking and speaking. I go to visit her and she's got her head slumped over and there are no words. So I had to be her mouthpiece. I had to be her strength. And that's what sisterhood, brotherhood, family, friends, good friends. That's what that's life is not easy.
1: <laughs> no. So,
2: so when you find somebody that you can link up with and you can play the game called life, People, pray for them, love on them, hold them near. Yeah. Because it, it doesn't come like that always, you know?
0: No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. Well, the other thing that's happening with this film that, I mean, I, I know you have the award is your film. However, we have to talk yeah. that there's so much talk about you and award season and Oscar and all of that, which I have to say, the little kid in me who watched you win American Idol, the fact that we're going from that to this moment. That little kid is freaking out because this is what we've been wanting. And I just love that your name is in the mix and that this is your first film and you acted it so well and you're getting this buzz. Like, what is that like? How does that feel for you? And does it does it make you at least a little nervous?
2: God, yes. Like, I'm nervous. But you know what I keep thinking about? They almost gave up on me. A lot of people said it was over due to the things that I went through after Idol. Listen, I was 19 years old. I was a little girl from High Point, North Carolina. I knew nothing about Hollywood. I knew nothing about the industry. I just loved to sing. And a lot of the things that I went through, a lot of the people who came in and out of my life, who said they had me, they loved me, they had my back. I lost everything twice. Houses, cars gone. There was a, a point in my life where I tried to order a piece. I'll never forget. And I'm going to laugh about it now. And my, if, even if I have tears, they're not tears of sadness, they're tears of joy because I remember the feeling. I I, I took care of my whole family and they were all living with me. And um, everybody was hungry and said, I'm going to go and I'm going to order pizzas." And my car kept declining. And I called my management at the time and I said, Uh, something's wrong I can't I can't order a pizza and that's when the person who was managing me at the time said well you know I've been wanting to talk to you there's no money in that account and I have been busting my butt for 20 years on a stage how is there no money so there were times that my hairstylist, who's been with me for 14 years. He's my best friend. There were times that we went through rough. Ooh. There's this thing on my page I, and I, I want to send it to you. I can email you something. Yeah, of course. Yes. A reason why I want to email it to you because I want you to see it. I go to this church one day in L.A. And there's this preacher by the name of Noel Jones. He's Grace Jones, brother. He had a special guest there that day that was speaking. And I was with the manager that wasn't quite so good for me, but we go to church. I'm a church kid. So whenever I'm low and down, I'm like, can you just somebody take me to church? So we go and, and I posted it on my page. This was 17 long ago. And the man, before he gets ready to speak, he looks at me and he says, God wants me to tell you something. I'm like, okay, you know, see what this is. He says, you are about to go through the roughest time of your life. He says, you're going to lose some things. You're going to lose some people. But if you stand through it, your latter days are going to look better than your beginning. He just started speaking. And so I started going through this stuff. And I remember I ran into him at some type of engaged speaking engagement I had and I run up to him and I'm like, oh, my God, I just want to tell you everything you said. And he was just standing there and he said, I know. I said, but look at me now. And and he said, I know. So I posted that. I posted it on my page because there was a forewarning that told me I was about to go through hell and it felt like hell. But I never gave up. I also asked my best friend, why did you stay? And he said, Because I always saw you here. So to be even a nominated. The other day I sat in the room with the greatest actors of I'm like, oh my God, my country self. I had to let them know.
0: Yeah.
2: I was like, I'm honored. I'm humbled. And I also have to remind myself, you made it.
0: Yes. And that's so, I mean, to someone who's a fan of yours and who's been with you sort of since really the beginning, literally the beginning for you of your career, at least yeah. it just to see you standing in that and owning it. Because I remember watching, Um, of course we remember watching you on American Idol and I remember loving you, but I also remember they better not take advantage of her. They better not send her in these ways because we need to protect her. And, to see where you are now, I mean, I'm even getting emotional. To see where you are now, and to see the film and the and, the, and what you gave to us, I mean, it literally is a prayer in a way. You gave us this sort of version of Seeley that we needed in a way, and I'm I'm just so grateful that we have it. You know, I'm just so grateful for you and that you gave it to us.
2: Thank you. Don't make me cry again. I, I won't. My, my tears of joy, though. I'm sit I'm looking. I'm sitting here, and I don't know if you can see. Oh wow! But I'm waking. Yes, I'm waking up in the morning, and I'm saying, oh, "Yeah, the fight was worth it. It was necessary."
0: Fantasia, thank you so much yeah. for taking the time to chat with me. I really, really appreciate it. This was better than I even thought it would be, but I always knew it would be great. So, thank you, and I'm so proud of you and everything. And I wish all the best for you. Take care. You too. I told you this was an emotional episode. I may have cried a few times, but I'm so glad that you're still here with me and that you stuck through. Hopefully you're still here. I don't know. Am I speaking to nobody? Let me know what you thought of today's episode. I'm H. Allen Scott on everything and leave a little rating and review wherever you're listening to this episode. It really does help me out a lot. And for the latest news and podcasts, head to newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on social media. And you can also subscribe to my newsletter for the culture where I do lots of fun things like tell you why I don't like Chris Pratt. It's weird. You just, you know, it's fun. Join the party. Until then, watch something fun and have a great day.